It's the Garage Guys NASCAR podcast. We are officially finished with the first road course race of the season at Circuit of the Americas, the Echo Park Automotive Grand Prix. We are going to talk all about it. We're going to recap it and get some insider information of what went down at the track over the weekend from our very own Dale Tanhart. And Richmond odds have dropped. The Toyota Owners 400, we are going to take a quick look and see what is available right now on the books that we like and that we don't like. So that is what is in store. Welcome to the show. Uh, let's start this out. Dale, you have just finished a long voyage from Austin, Texas, and you are here with us tonight. How was your weekend? How was the drive? How are you? Tired, but the weekend was great. Uh, Coda is an amazing fan experience, and I'll always recommend to anybody to check out Circuit of the Americas. NASCAR is always a good, always a good time there. I've now been all three years, so uh, tried out some new seats this year, new experiences, and it was a blast. So had a good time, and um, happy to say we won't be at Richmond get to be here in the heart of america which will be very very nice pleasant and uh yeah no it was um nothing crazy nothing crazy in coda i feel like it was just a good good fun weekend weekend of fun weekend of fun with the friends that's always good to have there was definitely some uh some crazy stuff that went down i would say on the track probably um, I, I didn't get to watch much of the truck race. I got to catch a little bit of the Xfinity race that went down. But Zane Smith got his, I believe, second win at Circuit of the Americas. Maybe, maybe, maybe more. Who knows? I feel like he's been winning Coda since birth, since before it was built. Uh, he found a way to win, and I know that there was some shenanigans that went down with like Parker Klegerman and Kyle Busch there in the end of that race, and then the Xfinity race. AJ Allmendinger. Got it done. Got the uh, the Celsius College Racing Xfinity car in Victory Lane. That was cool to see. Also, kind of not cool because Sheldon was was leading the race. But you know, we'll we'll discuss that later on. And then I was thinking we were probably going to see Deja Vu in the Cup Series race, and it was a close one. Ross was kind of close, but he didn't do it because Red Dog got it done. I think we all knew uh, after practice and qualifying that Red Dog had everything he needed with that rocket ship of a Toyota Camry that he had made Kurt Busch cry on the broadcast at the end of the race. It was just uh, an amazing win. Wish I could have been there to see that go down. But uh, but there was, a, there was a little bit of pain, I feel like, from the, the betting standpoint with the trucks and Xfinity unfortunately, but the majority of it was not your fault. I think it's because of the book's fault. They made the odds very short on the guys that we knew could get it done. Yeah, man. I, I mean, Sheldon deserves a hell of a shout out for how he raced. I hate that it happened that way. I mean, Almondinger just drove in way too hot, overshot the corner and dumped him. So that sucked. But yeah, um, trucks was trucks. Everything was a little bit different just because of stage breaks. No no more stage breaks on road courses, for the most part, at least. And the reaction seemed like it was a consensus in favor of how the racing was without the stage breaks, and I'm in total agreement. 
natural flow of the race was much, much better in all three racing series this past weekend. So Zane Smith continues to just be, which he did win it because of a Kyle Busch strategy error and a Ross Chastain uh, mechanical issue, I guess. But Zane was the third best guy all day, basically. So Zane Smith deserves so much credit for coming out here and going back to back. And both times Zane Smith won, Kyle Busch was in the race and finished second to him both times. Pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. And um, Xfinity was a great... uh, Xfinity continues to be the best natural series in the sport. I mean, um, great racing, close racing for the win the last 10 to 15 laps, of course, with Sheldon and then Byron and Almendinger going at it and at it and at it. And AJ is just a beast at Coda, man, just an absolute beast. And then cup was cup cup was a really fun, really, really fun day. And, um, it was crazy at the end. Cautions breed cautions and chaos with turn one. That's just, that's just how it is at this track and how it is like the Indy road course when you have a fucking crazy, you know, 80 miles per hour to zero and one really wide corner. It just breeds chaos. And um, other than that, the race getting extended with all these cautions at the end cup race was, I thought was, was entertaining too. I'd like to go back and watch all the broadcasts, which I'm going to do probably tomorrow just so I can get a good feel of what the broadcasts were like. But that would be what I would ask you was how were how were the broadcasts over the weekend, excluding trucks, obviously. You didn't see trucks, but uh, Xfinity and Cup with Kurt in the booth and then um, Gunther Steiner in the booth, Formula One Haas director. I thought that was kind of cool. So I need your perspective on what it was like watching on TV. Well, it's kind of unfortunate in in a way. Like I hate to kind of let you down right here, but like Sunday, I didn't really listen to anything on the broadcast because we were on playback. Shout out to everybody that came into playback. I had the the volume turned down all the way on the broadcast as as usual, uh, and and it was me and Tony kind of making the calls and doing the jam. But there were a few clips that I did get to see, and I did hear like little bits. Like obviously, commercials would come on. And it would be kind of low, but they'd be a little bit louder, you know, so we had that that kind of jam. But I did hear like Gunther Steiner talking a little bit and and he just seemed to have some very generic answers to things. There was a lot of people talking about how they were trying to explain what Tyler was doing with his car and how he was, you know, how his strategy was playing out. And they they seemed to have a little bit of issues trying to to figure out how to word that, which was strange. Uh, I know Bozy. uh and, and I'm probably butchering the last name, Tara, talk of it. Please, Bozy, if you're out there, just, just tell me that I messed up your last name. I saw Bozy this weekend, said hey to him. He was talking a little bit about it on the broadcast, about how it just like Clint finally kind of came around to understanding what was happening because they had Chase Elliott on the broadcast as well. Shout out to Bill's boy. Bill's boy was in Colorado. He was on there. So from what I did hear the broadcast, it was just, it, it was kind of just like your average, you know, just chit chat. It, it seemed a little more quieter than usual. It wasn't as exciting and vibrant like on Saturday when you had like Brad K. Um, Brad K's up in the booth. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know Brad was, was up there. Yep. I'm sure. Was it him and Joey? 
I think it was him and Joey in the booth. Yes. And I, cause I, I know Joey's voice very well right now. So I'm going to assume and just go ahead and say, yeah, he, it was him. And then Brad, I know Brad's voice. They have very distinct voices. So they made it very fun. Like I said, like you said, Saturdays have seemed to be the more fun broadcasts when you have some of these cup guys in there calling these races. They 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 seem to carry that excitement. Joey always like I know his his voice is kind of annoying, but Joey has a lot of good energy, you know, and he's he always enjoys it and he gets he gets hype when big moments happen and Brad K uh, it's just very good. I feel like he's very analytical and is very good at explaining what's happening and what's about to happen from what I can remember and when he jumps in. So, yeah, I can imagine that was probably good. I didn't see a lick of any broadcast. I was just keeping up and uh, in the stands. I sat in three different places each in, for each race. So it was cool. It was cool kind of seeing a new perspective. Turn 18 and turn 19 is awesome. Awesome place. Uh to watch at that racetrack we were at the i guess i think yeah the amp club had some drinks enjoyed that sweat uh with tyler reddick which like yeah like you said after practice and qualifying he was i mean just unbelievably fast he was so so fast and you know i tweeted this tyler reddick's road course success wasn't just the eight car it wasn't just rcr and not to discredit rcr but it was a major indica- indication that he is the real fucking deal on road courses, man. Like when Toyota was struggling all day, you didn't, you just didn't see Denny up there much. Truex kind of popped up late and did Truex things spinning out. Christopher Bell probably was the next best Toyota guy. And then he got spun out after he gambled on strategy. Didn't take tires. Bubba Wallace obviously had his problem, blew, blew a brake line or an oil line or some shit, and that was that was crazy. But when all when all the other Toyotas were struggling, Reddick was just the class of the field, right? Like, he, of course, he had a great car, but it totally speaks volumes when everybody else in the camp, who probably have similar setups to you, are just all, you know, borderline mediocre, and he's out there just. I mean, he went off sequence and was doing a three-stop strategy and was still able to run everybody down and take the lead back without the cautions late. So it, it is a true testament that Redick, if he's in a good car, it, it is probably becoming one of the best road course racers in the series. Yeah, I will 100% agree. I, I've been saying it since last year whenever Red Dog won at the Indy road course. The red dog is the road dog. Uh, he is the guy that we have been waiting on in this net. He is he is the road course master thus far of the next gen era. I will say that the gen seven car era. He has been the one that has showed us that hey, I ain't I, I'm not going nowhere. It doesn't matter what you put me in. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. And I love what you brought up about how we attributed, you know, that eight car to being the reason RCR's package of how they had everything set up. You know, Trackhouse won this race last year with Ross Chastain. And so we, we all were like, oh, Chevy. Everybody was gung ho about the Chevys. And, you know, Kyle Bush did finish the race in second. He definitely got a little bit lucky, though, because of him going into pit right before that caution hit. So he got to stay out and that kind of put him back in it because he was kind of hanging really back for a while. Um, 
and, and looking at it now, like I know there was a lot of wrecks and things just, you know, got, got to put our hands up and pray to God that, you know, we saw the Ty Gibbs top 10, you know, cash it, it, he finished in ninth. He got back up there after suffering some rookie penalties was, is the easiest thing to call him. You know, he went through the S's a couple of times and, and got outside of the, the barriers that he was supposed to be in. And I think we can all expect that to happen. Um, you know, Greg Mathern was so high on that one. And I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to roll with the dice with this, you know, we, we gotta, we gotta let it happen. And, and doing that, putting that out there after looking at those practice times and seeing he was there, I was a lot more confident. So I was glad to see that one happen. But other than Gibbs and, and Reddick, man, when you look at the camp, I mean, Denny Hamlin finishing back in 16th was the next Toyota followed by Martin Trex Jr. Chris Bell, I think ended up getting turned by Daniel Suarez. Actually, I saw looking at some footage of uh, Daniel Suarez's little happy time adventures that he had after the race, uh, going after some people, but they, they found a bunch of footage on him on the track. And I, I mean, I, I get it, you know, he, he was angry. He was pissed off about what happened with Chastain and, and, you know, getting moved by Chastain from Bowman. And then he went after Bowman after it. There's a lot I can say about that. But it, when we're getting back to the Toyota camp deal though, yeah, I would say Chris Bell was doing great. Cause there was that long stretch probably before all the cautions happened, when you had like Austin Dillon up in the top 10, we were really getting to kind of see those guys like break it down. And like, you would, you only can hope for like, you know, caution for your races at that point. And I think that that string of no caution period that we had showed us the guys that definitely had skill. Like Austin Dillon would have finished in that top 10 if it wouldn't have been for that restart and him getting caught up in the BS. But that's racing, you know, and that's what happens. Unfortunately, it's all about how you, you know, take those moments where those restarts happen. You got to be able to control that just as well as you control when a green flags out. And Tyler Reddick is the one that can do that better than anyone. And it's proven. I wish I would have been there. I wish I could have been there to, uh, to see that. I, I definitely had other things going on this weekend, but it, it's just, I, I always kind of, you know, my, my heart's a little heavy when I miss a red dog win. And, uh, we got to, I know you, you got to see him a little bit this weekend. I, I, I hit him up after the race and, and told him how I felt. And he hit me with it, man. You just wish you could have been here, man. And I was like, do you wish the Rook of the book of road would have been there? Or do you wish I would have been there? <laughs> so he, uh, you know, I, I tweeted today. I was like, I just, I think if he gets one more road course, win, I just got to give him the book of road, dude. It's just, we, we've got to bless it to him. There's, I don't think there's any other way around it at this point. Yeah. Scott McLaughlin, I'm sure would be fine with that. Based yeah. We got to keep it away said. from him. Scotty Mack hates the Book of Road. That's okay. I get it. He wants it. to burn it, dude. He wants to burn it. He wants to burn it in a trash can. You talked about the Ty Gibbs top 10, but shout out. You had Ricky Stenhouse top 10 as well. 19, plus 1,900. That was a great bet. I didn't really want to talk about it anymore, but shout out to Ricky, man. God damn. Well, yeah, we we had a good day overall. Greg was Greg went positive. I went positive. And I, I needed the positive day after getting my guys finishing second and trucks Xfinity and pole qualifying like one spot away every single race so I was sweating it out but Alex Bowman top three came through Reddick win and then um Ty Gibbs over Jimmy Johnson was the biggest mortal lock of the weekend talked about it on Dale Center literally cashed on lap one that was awesome and then um hit a parlay hit my first parlay of the year uh, Tanhart Triple Crown hit, also exclusively given out on Dale Center on Thursday nights. That was uh, 
Gibbs over Johnson, Sammy Smith over Josh Berry, and a Ross Chastain top five in the truck race, which happened by the grace of God because Ben Rhodes, I, I still haven't seen what happened, uh, just stopped on the fi- on the straightaway, heading to the checkered flag, and, and Chastain passed him for fifth. Uh, it was insane, pure insanity. And I was watching it happen. I jumped out of my seat because I was yelling about, I was like, holy fuck, the 99 just stopped. What is he doing? And uh, Chastain got him and, and secured that top five that helped us out. So we had some good, good moments. There's nobody hotter at NASCAR Cup betting right now, though, than Garage Guy Chase, and it's not even close with all the bets that, that you've been hitting. Um, but it was a good good Sunday that we all, we all went positive uh, and had some matching bets along the way as well. So... Honestly, it would have been that would not have been that bad of a weekend if I didn't go go hard on qualifying. Like when Tyler Reddick is a three fourths of a second on the field in practice, it's just like, dude, you had like me and Greg talked about it. We texted that morning. We're like, dude, we got to hammer this. Had to. So did of course did not work out on that front, and that kind of killed the weekend before it started. But decent comeback, and and obviously you had a big weekend, so. I know a lot of guys in the garage fam had a had a big weekend as well. So uh, aside from that, um, road course racing is fun. I can't wait for the next one, and hopefully Chase Elliott will be back by then. And and some people were t- were commenting on my tweet talking about Reddick, like Elliott versus Reddick is going to be a hell of a rivalry in our future. Man, it's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait to see that one either. That's going to be incredible. And yeah, talking about qualifying, I had a really weird strategy to that. So he talked about it. We had the podcast on Saturday uh, that we dropped with uh, me and Garage Guy Tony. We talked about some of these bets and we were discussing qualifying, you know, how you're either going to completely fade Reddick and take Kyle Larson or you're going to fade Kyle Larson and, and go heavy on Reddick and I think he went in the direction with Larson, so he didn't have as much pain. I definitely – I put, like, two units down, uh, two and a half, I think, on Red Dog. But me putting William Byron on there was was literally because when I was looking at practice times, I said, I'm going to try this strategy out. I was like, I'm going to look at, like, things that may or may not matter. I'm going to look at the practice finishing order. I'm going to look at the overall lap average times, and I'm going to look at five lap average times, and I'm going to see who are in the top categories of that, and that's who I'm going to lay some some coin down on. And then, you know, I had Bell. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you had Bell as well. I feel like Bell is just one of those guys you always want to hammer at qualifying because he does well. Um, but the Willie B thing was was purely, like, based off of just him being up in that that category. And I was like, okay. This I I could maybe see this happening, you know, but it it was the one that was gonna give me the most payout, which was crazy. So it was just good luck. That was some good luck right there to kick off the weekend on my end. Nothing really strategic went into that. So you got to be good to be lucky, and you got to be lucky to be good. That they coexist together. So and that and qualifying, yeah. Like I'm not gonna give up on qualifying. I don't I don't care. I don't care. It's fun to bet on and. I'll always see it as an opportunity because there's always uncertainty um, behind it. And we I saw think, that. yeah, <laughs> yeah, this that. one, this one, 
And that's the thing. Yeah, this one felt like the least uncertain one of the year. Uh, seeing, t- I mean, dude, that that is such a margin to be almost a full second ahead of everybody else on single lap speed. That is crazy. It's not very often that that happens. If it does happen, it, it usually would be on a road course because, like, Coda's the the laps are so long. There's so many places where you can gain. And so many places where you can lose. So it's typical to see wider margins. But when you look from second on back on those practice times, they were all a lot closer to each other than Reddick was from first to second. So, God, I mean, we just all were like, yeah, we got to hammer this. And, you know, it didn't work out. That's the way it goes. The world works in mysterious ways in sports betting anyway, so. It does. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot of things that just happen out there in the air sometimes, and I'm I'm honestly glad that he got those that you know that mistake out of the way, because then he was able to almost be completely perfect in the race. I mean, he had to co- overcome three overtime restarts, which was crazy, and like that's where you lose shit. And then he protected the house, dude, each time. So God, like what always happens in those situations is just. Aside from the chaos of people like in the middle of the pack getting wrecked, like it's so hard for the leader. Like it's your race to lose. And it's so difficult for the leader to be able to hold off, hold off everybody when they're charging into turn one like that. And that's what makes it even more impressive, right? That makes it even more impressive of when that he held off everybody in those very, very tough circumstances uh, each time it happened. That is the the sole thing right there that that makes me a hundred percent confident in saying that he is the at the top of his game in road course racing and at the top of the game in the Cup Series in road course racing right now. So with that, you know, you you have to give the credit where it's due because those are the instances, those are the times where these guys kind of take the gloves off. And a lot of guys talked about that after the race. There was a lot of post-race coverage with with some of these guys. And this has been conversations going on, you know, all season, right? So, you know, you got guys like Kyle Busch talking about how there's really no respect out there anymore. And Chase Elliott even said it on the broadcast. When it comes down to that, you're in survival. It is survival. And that's how it is. There's really no respect there. It's like these overtime finishes. You're going for the win in in. Some people say you don't really get that in like Formula One or you don't get that everywhere. Well, probably because one person's car is got, you know, like futuristic jet fuel and you can't catch him regardless. He's just gone immediately. So it's NASCAR and that's why it's NASCAR, right? Like you don't want it to be 100 percent the way that Formula One is on a road course race or or IndyCar. Like that is why it's NASCAR and that's why you got the beating and banging and things like that. So. Uh, while I do understand where some of these drivers are coming from, I also can say that it's just that's what this product is. And out of, you know, the result of that is you're going to get some guys that get wrecked and and are having great runs and then they get knocked out of it. And so you're basically turn one was was roulette on those restarts. And that's what kind of that's where you started seeing the frustration frustration from Suarez. He was running so well, then he got booted out of it and he was just pissed. He comes back and, um, you know, I, I think he was the only one that really had anything go down where he just really showed that frustration. They got kind of a heavy penalty that might be coming towards them. And it leads me into what I really want to say about this is why would you 
maybe he doesn't know, but why would you ram your car into another person's car when an official is out there, you're on pit road, and you know that that is something that's going to cost you points and is going to give you a hefty fine when you could have just got out of the car and punched a guy in the face and maybe just had like a little sit down and maybe got got fined for fighting. You think him punching him in the face wouldn't have been a fine or a penalty either? It, it might have been significantly be. cheaper than him using a automobile that is really fast where people were standing around and just going ape shit into the bumper of a car. I feel like you're probably going to get charged a little bit more for that than you would if you just got out of a car and punched a guy in the face. I mean, you just explained it and by asking the question. It's just hot temper after getting dumped when you ran. Suarez ran top five all day. And it's not like a new thing. Like, people have done shit like this in Pit Road, and Kevin Harvick's done it. Brad Keselowski's done it. Like, just being a hothead and being upset. And I do – I totally agree with the disrespect stuff. Like, yes, on one side, this is a contact sport, and it makes it unique because – uh you you kind of said it they beat and bang and that that makes it fun right like the turn one stuff it is fun but i think there is a collective issue that is kind of gone too far it's kind of gone too far where everybody just fucks each other up with no remorse it's just caused a rift between everybody in the garage like what kyle bush was talking about but i mean it's yeah, it's just a disrespect kind of thing, really. It's it's not like it it is fun. It is fun for the fans in some ways, but I think it has it has gone a little too far uh in several of these instances. And Sunday was a great example of it in those last two or three restarts. Yeah, personally I just feel like if if people just started fighting a lot again, you wouldn't have as much of that on the track. For some reason, when you get in a fist fight with someone, you're you're either going to just completely not like the person ever again, not talk to him, but you let bygones be bygones, or you're going to gain respect on a whole nother level for that person, and it's a mutual respect. And when you look back back in the day, you know the, the guys got a little scrappy out there. We don't really have that in the series no more, and in the sport, you know, it's contact sport. You know, they they fight in hockey sometimes. You know, they fight in football sometimes, baseball. They fight in all of them sometimes, you know. I'm just saying, might be time to to, to explore a little something. I think that might could bring some respect back between some of these guys. I really do. I feel that. I feel strong about that. I think, um, shit, I don't know. I think the only way it can happen is NASCAR would have to police police everything a little bit more. That's the only way you can you can start it. That's the only way you can start it at this point. But, Call Dana White in, get an octagon in the, yeah. in the press room, you know? Shout out to Jensen Button, Jordan Taylor, Kimi Raikkonen. It was really, really cool seeing them all race this weekend, being in the pits and being around them on the grid and, and even during qualifying. There's definitely a different kind of energy with them just because of their presence. It That was, in my opinion, that was really, really cool. There was a lot of energy around Jimmy Johnson as well. It does suck to see that he got, I mean, literally nothing he could do, like no fault of his own, got taken out uh, because of Brad Kay spinning out, the typical road course spin from Brad Kay. I told everybody on the DFS space and uh, t- 
uh, shout out Toby Christie. He had, he came on the DFS base and was talking to me. And one of the guys came in and was just like, you mean to tell me you're not going to be playing any Brad K today? I said, no, he spins out too much. I was like, he's going to spin out all the time. And he's like, man, you can't, you don't know that. You can't say that. And I'm like, bro, and it just happened on the first lap. And I'm just like, case closed. So, yeah, I wish. And, and some for any traditional NASCAR fans out there, like remember 2011 and 2012 when Brad K was a beast at Watkins Glen for like two or three years in a row, finished second, finished third. Like what the hell has happened? What has happened? I get it. It's 10 years ago. Brad K hasn't had great road course results at other places in the cup series. But I mean, talk about falling off a cliff in this style of racing. What the fuck, dude? I mean, it's, it's it's borderline amateur seeing how much he wrecks at these road courses since 2021. It's been crazy. I don't know. That's just a venting thing. It blows my mind because Brad K is a Hall of Famer. Look, there's obviously some kind of correlation between right turns and owning a 3D printing business. That's the only thing I can think of at this point. That's the only logical explanation. Mm-hmm. 100%. It's got to be. So if you want to you know, race on road, don't fuck with 3D printers. It's as simple as that. But... I don't know, man. I feel like it's just, you know, after a while, you know, changes happen in the sport and, and the vehicles are changing, you know, when the car changes, maybe that's just you, you lose. It's kind of like, maybe like when you get older and you start losing your sex drive, you know, when you hit that 50, 50 year old Mark and you got to go and get that Mark Martin in a bottle from your doctor, you know? not horny for a road anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's funny you say that because I did talk about on Dale center, like, doing research before i was like don't bet on any old guys that are not age because old guys have not been good at these new road courses and this weekend another great example of that right like uh that's that was a big reason why i took ty gibbs over jimmy johnson early in the week because i was like give me the youth all day if ty gibbs finishes 20th or better he's gonna win this matchup and he didn't even need that like, give me youth. Give me youth. Fade these old guys on new road courses. Your Truexes, your Harvicks are going to be good at Sonoma, going to be okay at Watkins Glen. Hell, I mean, uh, Truex almost won the Roval the first year, you know, in 2018. So even the Roval maybe. But when it comes to Coda, Indy Road Course, uh, we're not going to Road America anymore. Now we're at the Chicago Street Course. Fade these older guys. Denny Hamlin's another example of a guy that, when he was younger, was a pretty good road course racer. Just has not been the same. It's so, it, it's, I'm telling you, I, I use age as an indicator because of pure statistics. I use age as an indicator of like success at Daytona and Talladega. Nobody replicates it at an old age like Dale Earnhardt did. And I think it's also a very trendy, legitimate statistic that older drivers have really struggled on these newer road course tracks so anytime you see matchups think anytime you see matchups where they pin uh i don't know what's a good example not like ty gibbs versus jimmy johnson but like uh let's say just i don't know joey logano versus brad k which they wouldn't do now because we've seen brad k's demise over the last few years on these rcs but give me the guy that's that's got more youth all day all day and it's it is a weird deal it is a weird deal chicago street course take every young guy 
except AJ Allmendinger. Take every young guy except AJ Allmendinger. It's that place is going to be a nightmare for everybody, which makes it worse for the older guys. I can't wait. I, I cannot wait to just watch that happen. Like this whole street course thing has just revived this uh this fire inside of me to just find a way to get another race on the sh- the streets of New Orleans. It needs to happen so bad. Like I just want I think with the idea of NASCAR doing the, you know, the clash at the Coliseum and these between that and the street courses, like we are in a brand new frontier for racing and I could not be more excited about that. Somebody asked me on Twitter earlier like is street road you know, and, and I don't know yet. I don't yeah. know how I feel. Yes, yes and no. Yes and no. It's lefts and rights. Let's just consider it lefts and rights. So, in my mind, I I would lean more yes than no because it's it's uh it's left and rights. It's it's more of an obstacle course, right? Like Coda is an obstacle course for stock cars. This will be an obstacle course at the in chicago whenever we get there but we got we got a minute before we get there that is going to be a fun one to go to but this weekend a not so fun race in my opinion pretty boring but um you do have xfinity series action which has produced pretty good racing at richmond um trucks are at texas which is so weird but that's because that's because andy Carr is on sunday so they bring the trucks in for an early draw on Saturday and then IndyCar runs Sunday. Interesting little doubleheader weekend deal there. So you do have all three NASCAR National Series racing. You do have IndyCar back and uh, you do have F1 as well. So it's going to be a fun weekend, but let's focus on Richmond because we have had odds drop on Caesars and Barcel Sportsbook. I've got them both open right now. This is literally my first look. I... Literally drove up to my house about midnight, 12.30, after a nine-hour drive from Austin. Had not looked at a damn thing until we started recording. So I'm looking at everything now on Barcelona and Caesars. You go ahead and just tell me something that you like because I, yeah. I have no clue. So I the first thing I noticed today was the NASCAR icon was not on Barcelona Sportsbook probably around 8 p.m., uh on monday and when i went to the all sports tab and i went to motorsports i saw nascar there and i was like hmm why is this hidden on the home screen where it's easy for everyone and i was glad because after looking at caesar's odds on some drivers that i feel like are going to be very heavily bet on uh early kevin harvick being the main guy i had to throw a little sauce down on old Kevin, he was down to five fifty plus five fifty on Caesar Sportsbook. He was plus seven hundred on Barstool Sportsbook, and just because I just want to believe that Rodney Childers will be talking to God, uh, I, I I feel strong. This is a total dumb play on my part. It is just out of pure want, and so I bet on it. And I'm gonna be honest with y'all. It's just pure want. So. Tail it or don't, I don't care. Uh, plus 700, I went ahead and snatched that up. And then I also did my first unforgivable thing this year. And, and I could have probably waited on these odds. Could have totally waited. Didn't want to. I bet on Martin Truex Jr. plus 900, Dale. I did it. I did that. 
Um, he's down. Well, to he he's you know he's great here, but he never qualifies well. So they, you, you gotta wait on Truex. Salty dogs. Uh, I just I wanted to just I wanted to bite and 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 I I let I let my temptations take over me. They that's I fair though. That that's a basic. That's a basic sports betting issue. It, it, it people do it. I do it also. It's impulse. That's what betting's all about. Getting a hurt. lot of times, you're like, yeah. "What? Go out there and blow the doors off on qualifying, and then we're and then you're sure, just yeah. Running. You never know. You never know. It could happen. It could happen. And I feel the same way about Harvick too. I think Har like Phoenix, just a prime example, man. Harvick qualified like fifteenth. Um. And just worked his way through the field. I mean, just picking guys apart. And and we know Harvick should have won that race, but I think um I think I'm gonna take my chances and wait on both of those guys. I think Denny Hamlin, the guy that won this race last year, loves this track. I mean, I, I don't know, ten to one kind of seems like a good price for Denny Hamlin. He's a guy that can come out. He qual typically he will qualify well here and race well here. So thinking about Denny Hamlin at 10 to 1, I don't think that's the worst line in the world. But most everything else is pretty tough to look at. Um how do you feel about William Byron being the favorite right now at this track? At plus six fifty and overall Caesars plus what? Plus five hundred. Overall, I agree with it because this season it hasn't mattered what track we've been at. He he's been leading laps and, and been a winning or just like a, a very, very competitive driver and his cars have been amazing. Vegas, amazing. Fontana, he wasn't great, but I mean the Daytona five hundred, he was there with like a couple laps ago before one of those cautions came out, battling for the win. He was amazing at Vegas. He was really good at Phoenix, probably had a third or fourth place car, kind of faded at the end, but led a lot of laps, was up there. Uh what what am I missing here? Atlanta. He got wrecked at Atlanta. That's super speedway racing. But he was really good at Coda. Led a lot of laps and kind of once again kind of faded at the end. I think he finished fifth. I think he still got a top five, didn't he? I, I'm not. I'm not gonna look. I don't care. But uh, I think you're thinking about uh, Alex Bowman. Actually, I think that no Bowman got a top three because he cashed that bet for me. Yeah. Well, he top five. He that if he got a top three, he definitely got the top five. Um, I'm, no, I'm talking about Byron. I'm talking about Byron. Did he get yeah, a top yeah. five? Is what I was all I'm asking. I'm looking at it right now. Yes, he was. He finished fifth. There you go. Okay. Anyway, my point here is that like it hasn't mattered what track type we've been at. William Byron has been good at all of them. He's been good at every single track type we've been to so far. Ovals, lefts and rights, uh, Daytona 500, Super Speedway. Like he's he's been there. So I think he has been the most consistent driver in the field in 2023 so i'm not surprised by that now plus 650 is crazy that's crazy there's not going to be a single fucking person that bets on that and if you do bet on that you are a psychopath plus 500 that's even crazier yeah i mean that is and kyle arson who is not good at this racetrack also plus 550 on caesars crazy 
absolutely crazy i wish you would have been on the the playback broadcast i know you couldn't be because you were there at coda but we were talking about that honestly about how then the live betting like kyle larson just like went all the way to the back of the 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 field after he had got caught up in altercation and live betting he was still like the fourth favorite out of everyone and like tony was just saying like the only like he could be he could dude, be the back books in the garage off to yeah. him dude they in the be garage, off to him. still going to just like have him up there like nope nope he's still plus 800 sorry there's definitely like a look it we i talked about this on one of our pods a few weeks ago like it, it outside of 2021 you know Kyle Larson has been very spotty right like not super consistent uh tough and late race situations outside of 2021 he's been he's still been really good just 2021 was a different breed right a different fucking breed of kyle arson that five team the series has changed so much since the end of 2021 it's insane so it's it's like the books still consider everything from 2021 like way too much way 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 too much and it's caused like this I'm trying to think of like the word to use while my brain is complete mush, but it's caused like a, oh, like a hysteria that Kyle Arson is amazing at every single style of racetrack. Richmond is not like Richmond, Martinsville, not great racetracks for Kyle Larson. Um, so that's crazy to see him at that line. That's basically all we're talking about here. But, and, and people on, even like on Dale Center, people are like Larson, Larson at Coda. And I'm like, dude, other than 2021, like like Larson has struggled at a lot of these newer road courses. If you go back and look, that's he, all people want to remember when they think about betting on Kyle Larson at road is twenty twenty one. It was it was a completely different car. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly, it was a completely different series because if you unloaded with the, I mean, you literally unloaded and raced. You you had no practice of qualifying, so if you had the best car, you, your chances of winning were way way better. And it's not a discredit to Larson. He's a fucking wheel man. He's one of the best drivers on earth. But this is a very competitive series in 2023 versus how it was in 2021 when they unloaded with the best car most weeks out of the season. And that was clear and obvious. Um, but not to get super off topic and go down this rabbit hole. The odds suck for Richmond. They do. They do. They're not very good. I'll I'll, I'll label one guy here. Uh, Ryan Priest plus fifteen thousand. That's pretty. Ooh, that's pretty crazy. Um, and oh. yeah, it's Ryan Priest. Like he hasn't won. He hasn't been close to winning in the Cup Series. Like that's fine. But I think you do consider that he was really good at the Clash. Um, not, uh, not like crazy consider right. But there needs to be a little bit of consideration. Now, and if if we're talking about plus five thousand or plus seventy five hundred, I probably wouldn't bat an eye. But talking about plus fifteen thousand, the guy's a good short track racer. Uh, Stuart Haas Racing won here last year. Stuart Haas Racing was really good at Phoenix, with uh, in particular with Briscoe and Harvick and Priest. I think had a decent run there at the end. So consider that that it's a similar kind of racetrack, uh, somewhat correlating. Ryan Priest plus plus fifteen thousand, not bad, not I'm bad. Just, I'm going to say this with Ryan Priest being 150 to one to win this race. I cannot wait for top ten odds to drop because we are in Ryan Priest top ten season. If the odds 
are good enough. And that's what I wanted to say. I, I I don't think I can I don't think I have it in me to to take him 150 to one maybe yeah, even if I'm putting a dollar I just don't I don't think I want to bet on that I don't think I'm ready for that yet maybe maybe if he gets a top ten here in Richmond when we look at the Martinsville that's where I may say okay depending on how much shorter he is off of that 150 to one from here at Richmond that'll be my determining factor. But he has got some short tracks coming up. And like you said, great short track racer came. He did some stuff with wheel and modifieds. I know he's been at Martinsville a good bit. We saw what he did at the clash. This is his territory. These are these races are his playground. So we're really going to get to see what he's made of and if the investment was was right for Tony Stewart. And I feel like we've already maybe seen that a little bit, but I cannot wait for top. I cannot stress that. I cannot wait for top 10 odds to drop to see where Ryan Priest is at. Shit, I don't think we've seen anything yet. I mean, he's had a lot of bad luck, but I, I wouldn't even take like the short track thing and, and use that as the biggest piece of data. The biggest piece of data I'm looking at is Phoenix. Just the quality of the race car. Like we talked about how Stuart Haas is, they haven't been great in most at most racetracks, but they were good at Phoenix, man. They were really good at Phoenix. And there is some decent data that translates from phoenix to richmond so um i want to dig more into that before we get to thursday night with dale center on youtube uh but i think right off the bat ryan priest i don't think there's any chance in hell you see him at plus fifteen thousand before the green flag on sunday like that i i think that is like a, a certainty in my eyes so that's the number one thing that sticks out to me but but everything else I'm fucking waiting on, and uh, I'm, not, I'm just not even in the mind. I'm not even in the mindset to to bet on any of this shit right now. I'm so tired. I'm so tired. It's been it's been a long day. Dale boy, I want you to get some sleep, get some rest. Thank everybody. A big round of applause wherever you are right now. I don't care if you piss off your boss if you're in your office. I don't care if people look at you crazy in your car. Everybody just clap because Dale boy just drove all the way from Austin. And he powered through, and he did this podcast. He did this for you, and I want you to know that. So we love you. Get some rest. We love you, Garage Fam. We cannot wait to put some bets on Richmond. Be sure to check us out this weekend. We'll be on Playback. It's playback.tv slash garageguys. Get over to dailydownforce.com. Buy some Garage Guys merch. It's there. It's a store. There's there. RIP NASCAT. Get that one. Get a hat. Get a shirt. Get everything they got. There'll be more stuff coming too. dailydownforce.com. Again, we love you. And we're going to win some more money this weekend. This has been the Garage Guys NASCAR podcast. Let's have a week.